Howard Lindzen is the founder and general partner at Social Leverage. All opinions expressed by Howard and podcast guests are solely their own opinions and do not reflect the opinion of Social Leverage or StockTwits. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for decisions. Guests may maintain positions and securities discussed in this podcast. Hey, Nub. Hey, man. How you doing, buddy? I'm just talking into my foam hole. (laughs) Sounds promising. That the Norwegian MacGyver put together for me. Well, it's working pretty well, isn't it? Yeah. Listen, I'll toot your horn. Don't toot your horn. (laughs) You're you're not smoking anymore, are you? Are you done eating your fruit now? You're like all over the place here. What's going on? I just did a 30-mile ride, so I'm drinking and eating, but I stopped to talk into the foam hole. (laughs) I'm glad to hear that. So people are asking about your voice. That comes from years of smoking, no? You know what? I, I had a better voice when I was smoking, but I have not smoked for 20 years. So this was, yeah, it was even deeper and sexier when you were not smoking. Yep. So, yeah, definitely. Your voice has aged better than you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so K-Nut. Yes. Uh, today I'm going to geek out, you know, panic with friends. Um, I feel like, again, I, I'm not good at this, but I feel like people should be considering a panic. And what do I mean by that? It's uh, August. Elections is three months out. And if it was up to Trump, it, uh, there'd be no election for the rest of the history of America. We've got our president for life. So one of the, last week, I think I had Samantha. We'll run that in a couple of days, you know, to get that tingly. You know, in March, when we started this, everybody was, panic was cool. Now panic is uncool. And I like to panic first. And with that spirit, uh, I asked a good friend of mine. It's a guy who was trading in his crib. Uh, Don Nitty uh, is one of the um, one of the hotter funds this year. Uh, he's a portfolio manager, man about town. Uh, they just got covered in Bloomberg. He's one of the top hedge funds of the year. And I said, you know, he's had a hot hand. He works harder than most people I know when it comes to sleuthing uh, sentiment in the markets. And I want him to calm me down or hype me up. So we will check back, you and I, after this interview and, and take a pulse of uh, what he thinks. How's that? That's a great plan. Let's do it. All right. Don Nitty. Hello. Nitty Gritty. Ah, Howard. How's it going? Are you nervous? No, never. You sent me like 60 texts last night. What do I do? What do I say? Are you going to embarrass me? You're nervous. First, I sent you one text and you gave me the relax. So it wasn't. Maybe it was your wife. Could have been your wife. My wife is uh, too busy busting my chops about this move out of uh, this city. Our apartment's a wreck right now. You're escaping New York. Escaping, you know, it's tough, man. It's like bittersweet. You are a New Yorker. When I think of New York dudes, you're a New York dude. Well, you know, still at heart, but uh, for the kid, it's tough. You know, they made a choice back in May to take his school all virtual, and that was like a complete disaster. I mean, you know, during the heart of uh, heart of COVID, you know, March, April, May, we're both, you know, my wife works, I work, you know, left the city, went down to the Jersey Shore, and it ended up, uh, you know, trying two uh, working parents with a uh, crazy three-year-old running around. It's not the easiest thing in the world, so... 
you know, splitting his schedule with the school and this and that. So, you know, we made the decision. Schools are still open uh, where we're going. So, yeah, we'll see. We'll give it a run. If it doesn't work, we'll come back. By the way, I can uh, I, I can prescribe Ritalin and Ambien. Calm that kid right down. <laughs> Smooth the highs and the lows. Oh, my God. I don't even know <laughs> if it would work, dude. Uh, you were worried about enough. stock questions. How about the Ritalin and Ambien bringing them out early? Yeah, exactly. I'm sure my wife would love that. So uh, you've probably never done a podcast, correct? That is correct. And, um, you know, Big Ten just canceled football. Yeah. Um, smart move. It's like war. People need to just take one for the country this year and just chill out. But everybody seems to be selfish and pointing fingers. So I, I'm kind of happy. I think I think college is going to be a cesspool for the virus. You know, maybe not deaths, but just spread. What's your thoughts yeah. there? I mean, you kind of, for the whole Big Ten decision, you saw it beginning to happen, right? I guess it was, was it last week? UConn canceled their season. And then I guess, uh, you know, Minnesota also came out or, um, you know, similar state and said that they weren't going to participate. And then you had the chatter yesterday about it happening. And then, you know, the decision was finally made. Uh, I mean, you know, what's Trump, it's, think? what's Trump think? He just says, play college football. Well, yeah, I mean, I just call, I guess you just call Putin at this point, right? And ask him for the vaccine, then everything's fine. So, oh, do you believe people? So, today we're already off subject, but I want to talk about the markets with you. Rarely do it. The show's called Panic with Friends. Uh, Don, if there's a guy that I don't want to panic, because Don's very level headed, I haven't given everybody a background really, so I'm going to let you do that. But you've been trading what since the crib? You were what, 40? Yeah. No, I'm 36 now, but 36. You know, it, it feels like an eternity at this point. So where? Uh, let's start with today and then work back. Today you were at Sender. You guys, I just said you got written up in Bloomberg, one of the top hedge funds of the year. But then that was before uh, today. No, I'm kidding. So, so you're one of the top <laughs> hedge funds of the year. Uh, what? Tell me a little bit about the fund if you're legally allowed to. Yeah. So, um, you know, I guess the fund we're long short equity. You know, we trade also. Uh, a lot of futures. So, you know, our hedging positions, typically we do through either S&Ps or NASDAQs on how we're looking at the market, um, you know, trade all the metals, gold, silver, copper, et cetera, um, crude, you know, if there is an opportunity there as well. Um, you know, we're not passive managers who sit there and kind of thrive in a, uh, you know, 10 VIX environment. We're more active traders. So mm -hmm. if you look at the market over the past few years, you know, it's been this low VIX environment, um, market neutral essentially worked, right? The millenniums and the citadels of the world, because, you know, the game plan is, you know, generate alpha, you'll be able to short single stocks. You know, you look at kind of the funding shorts of the world, um, you know, companies not high growth, right? So it's the model for those places is short CRM and buy data dog. And, you know, that's how it kind of pans out. And you've kind of seen, you know, post-COVID, you've seen this dynamic shift where active managers, you know, are finally being rewarded after kind of leaving this low VIX environment, right? So we essentially don't think that that environment, you know, is going to change anytime soon, given the election year and kind of what's happening uh, with the COVID situation and vaccine plays and everything else. So, you know, we look at the market where we try to find the opportunities given, uh, you know, in the trading environment. So, you know, for instance, you know, the NASDAQ might be up, but high growth software is down 10%, right? So you're getting a lot of shift in these different momentum baskets, which is happening on a daily basis. And, you know, the moves are 
completely fierce. I'm sure you see it with, you know, some of the names that you hold, you know, in your portfolio. And, you know, it's difficult for some people, but most people are just like, well, Apple's up another 20 bucks today. So what's wrong with the market? I'm never wrong. So it's hard. Like every day I win because I'm on Twitter and I've never had a losing day. Um, so it's different for me. I'm, I'm like Goldman. The, do you remember, I, I just want to go back to March. Um, cause you're running a fund. You, how did you come into like March? I mean, the whole thing was, you know, a lot of people kind of just disregarded the situation, um, that was happening in China. Right. So we started, you know, you started seeing that early on and, you know, you were looking at a lot of these Chinese stocks, you're watching the environment there and it's kind of just brushed under the rug. You know, we had, uh, you know, the president and other politicians saying, oh, it's no big deal. It's no big deal. And then you kind of get everybody caught off sides and, you know, you're limit down for five days in a row. Um, you know, and it's just it was it was a situation that you had to look at and be like, OK, what's essentially going to happen in the market at some point? You know, I think that the Fed, uh, you know, Mnuchin and everyone else as well did a pretty good job by not halting the markets because, you know, a lot of friends that I spoke to were like, why are they not shutting the markets and why are they not shutting the markets? But, you know, liquidity, people would have freaked out. Right. So. When you looked at it, you kind of, I think you and I had this conversation of when the VIX was, you know, completely uh, in outer space, you know, it was like, what's the bottom? What's going on here? Um, so when you looked at it, you kind of had to look at it as, okay, is the world coming to an end? Is it not coming to an end? And essentially what's happened and, you know, where's going to be the shift in the marketplace? Are they going to, you know, buy kind of the new economy or old economy stocks, right? So last to rebound clearly is going to be the carnival cruise lines of the world to, uh, you know, it's going to take a much, a lot longer, you know, balance sheets are pretty hunky and, uh, you know, and then you saw software take out and here we are where the NASDAQ's, uh, you know, trading at all time highs. And so it's August now, um, you guys saved, you had a good year. Listen, so you didn't panic, basically you're saying, and you, what what do you what today? Do you lock in the year? How do hedge funds think today? You're having a good year. Uh, you're going to get paid. How does a firm like yourself think? Yeah, I mean, we never. We're probably the hardest working hedge fund um, in the entire world, and I say that because you know our CIO Adam Sender, you know he's created a process that is repeatable through any market. Um, you know, we have all night we're chatting markets in our uh, our group text chat. You know, the morning meeting starts extremely early. Adam is on the desk at 630 in the morning. You know, we have the rest of the team there at 6 a.m. Um, you know, we're there until the futures close, 415, kind of take a breather, reassess the market, figure out news. I mean, it's it's 24-7. I mean, I think Saturday is the only day that we kind of uh, – take a breather. But for us to, you know, say, okay, let's just, you know, shut it down and go to the beach. I mean, that would never happen. Right. We, uh, we're constantly in the markets. We live and breathe the markets. Um, you know, I think coming up now it's an election year, right? It's, there's going to be huge volatility going into that. Considering that, you know, a big portion of our portfolio that we trade is futures. You know, there's a lot of opportunity. So for us, it's there's no way that we would shut it down. You have to continue to grind, work, stick to the process, and you know, generate good returns for investors. And so the VIX is now back to 20. Does that feel right to you? You know, leaving the city, school year canceled. 
Where does that feel compared to March? I mean, tingly, tingly feelings. What are you? What are your tingly feelings? I think what's happening right now in the market is, you know, you're you are. So we have a lot of the high growth names that are owned by everyone, as you know. You know, the earnings are behind us, right? So Datadog reported, Fastly reported. You know, they both sold off. You saw kind of this rotation out of it. And then today, you know, airlines were trading better. Some of the civilian stocks were trading better, essentially. And, you know, when you look at it, it's like, okay, was Datadog's quarter bad, right? Is that company going out of business all of a sudden? No, of course not. But, you know, a lot of our strategy on how we view the market, too, is positioning and sediment. So, you know, we run a pretty rigorous process through earnings. And a lot of the stuff that I do on a day-to-day basis, at least, is, you know, I go in, I figure out where the sell side is, you know, how are they looking at it? Um, you know, look at it as a macro kind of, you know, where's the theme, where's the shift? Um, you know, folks like it, you know, it's kind of like a VC model, right? So think about it, like a sell, you know, when Facebook launched, you're like, okay, we're not doing Facebook, but who's building the platforms on Facebook, right? So, I kind of look at the market as that view as well, where, you know, we'll figure out the sentiment, we'll figure out what's happening, we'll look at positioning in the trade, and then kind of, you know, gauge what's going to happen. So, you know, to my point, Datadog wasn't a bad quarter, right? Growth came in like 68% year over year. But the problem is, the stock was up 60 plus percent, you know, year to date, and buy side expectations are at 80%. So, you know, people will look at it and say, well, they beat sell side expectations, but buy side expectations are much higher. And then the stocks will sell off. And then, you know, a lot of the other things, too, that people don't take into consideration with these, you know, recent IPOs is that you have the uh, insider blackout window. So two days post earnings is when distributions will happen. So, you know, with like Uber, for instance, benchmark, you know, clearly a big holder in the company, you know, they'll report a good quarter. And then two days later, you know, investors will be like, what's going on? What's the selling pressure? And it's them. They have the window of opportunity to sell some stocks. So, you know, if they want to sell it, you know, aggressively or they want to sell it passively as percentage of volume, you know, everyone's got to take all that stuff into consideration. So, yeah. But what do you see that's not price it? So if you were to like say, you know, here's what's keeping you up at night, page 10. I mean, you're, like I said, you're moving out of New York. You've had a good year. We know everybody's, we know about the virus. Big 10's canceling. College is a mess this year. Cyber war with China. Election turmoil. What are we missing? What gets the VIX back to above 30? Yeah, I mean, I think right now, you know, it's it's like, I don't want to like sound cliche or anything, but, you know, to go back, right? So the earnings, a lot of the earnings are behind us. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people on Wall Street right now understand that September and October going into the election are going to be absolutely crazy. We're going to have a ton of volatility. I think we are going to see a pretty big spike in the VIX, um, you know, from the current level that we're at. And I honestly, you're going to think I'm nuts, but I feel like a lot of people are kind of away from their seat right now and taking time and preparing for this next wave of, you know, what's coming in the market. Right. Because post earnings, there's not a lot of catalysts right now in August. Right. So all the conferences are coming up, you know, in September. Um, So you'll get kind of analyst days and, you know, uh, Datadog had one today, which was their dash, their user conference. And then they gave some updates on new product. 
So there's really, for more of the, you know, on a trading aspect, you know, you're going to get these moves, but for more of the long-term fundamental guys, there's mm-hmm. not much catalyst. You have the information, you know what you know. And I feel like a lot of people are kind of like, okay, let's take our time for our family or whatever it is. And then, you know, re-engage post Labor Day and kind of figure out what's going on and reposition the portfolios. And so, but yet you still are working 24-7. 24-7. I almost feel and, guilty that I'm moving and taking off, uh, to being away from the desk for uh, a day and a half. Sad, and how, sick. How, how big is the firm? Right now we're at eight people. We're not a uh, super clunky shot. We're like a family. I mean, you know, constantly. We also, um, you know, during this whole uh, pandemic, Adam set up the firm kind of in a situation where, I mean, he almost was a, it's, he was like the almost uh, original work from Homer. So, okay. um, you know, he'll be either in Miami or uh, out on Long Island, uh, depending, but we run a process where we're constantly on headsets and on a bridge uh, bridge line. So mm-hmm. there's never any real downtime. Um, you know, we're constantly talking markets all day. Um, everything's done in real time. You know, it's not like you're sending an email. You know, some of these other places with 250 employees, you're sending an email and getting a response four hours later. Everybody's participating. Um, and it's a really great environment. And then... In a world where there's so many new, you kind of are a young guy and you talk to me all the time and you're like at your pulse, you do private, public, constantly looking for flow. What has changed in a Robin Hood era? Because you kind of saw Robin Hood early with me and you were kind of, you were bullish like I was. But today, yeah. what, like what, you guys follow that sentiment. So what what interests you about that? I mean, you know, I think... You know, a lot of this, you know, if you look at, I don't know if it was Goldman or Bamwell, somebody, uh, you know, a few days ago sent out kind of what a percentage ownership of the equity market and retail has become such a big percentage of participation in the equity market where you one, if you're not paying attention to it, I think you're crazy, right? Because it's definitely driving specific stocks and names and news and everything else. And then, you know, the other thing, you know, you're seeing too is all the quants are getting this data. And, you know, the moves that you're seeing in the market, you're like, well, how is retail doing this? This is crazy. How are they driving, you know, Facebook to $280 a share? These moves are insane for these mega cap companies. And, you know, a lot of it will be retail, but a lot of it too, you know, as you know, is, you know, all these big quant shops are buying the data. So the moves are just totally exasperated to either the upside or the downside, right? So when you look at it and then you throw in the weekly options and the gamma and everything else, and, you know, it's almost like these moves are just crazy in some of the stuff. And were you following that at all, the sentiment? Yeah, we're following a sentiment on there and seeing, you know, change in ownership, you know, will come in daily. But like, you know, the, that data, it's kind of like, you know, take it with a grain of salt, some of it, because clearly like you're not getting it, you know, essentially in real time. Um, you know, Twitter, obviously, you know, and it's crazy, but like a lot of these guys on Twitter with, you know, big followings who have, you know, 150,000, 200,000 followers, you know, also run chats too, right? So they're doing the subscription-based model and, you know, they're going out to their people and they're saying, hey, I like the chart here, or here's risk reward. And, you know, you'll see these guys move stocks. I mean, I see it in real time, right? So 
you know, that's another outlet that I'm using and I'm constantly just gauging through the news all day. Um, I would say we're probably one of the fastest, if not the fastest on kind of, you know, being able to trade news, um, and figuring out what the situation is, uh, you know, in real time, Steve, uh, Steve, our head of research, like knows every single story. So when news does hit, um, you know, we're able to interpret it in real time and make an investment decision based on it. If it's new, if it's old, how does it change the, uh, the underlying story? So, you know, we're constantly, uh, constantly have a, a pulse on everything that's happening. And what's the area or do you keep it really simple? Is it kind of like, what is exciting to you in the markets right now? Right now, it's, you know, you're seeing, uh, you know, today, right? It's been, forget, um, I think it was one of the economists, I believe, it was either the Bamble guy or the Morgan Stanley guy, but, you know, he came out last week and said that, we, you know, I think essentially we're going to see a change from kind of uh, growth stocks into value, poor earnings. But right now, I mean, I feel like you're getting such big moves in these growth software names. You know, you had value. American Airlines was was trading pretty well, uh, you know, the past few days as well. I mean, I think, you know, for us, you know, we're looking at it, we were very bullish post-March. Um, now, you know, I think we're getting into a uh, an area of, you know, like we talked about, you know, we're going to get the VIX. Um, you know, I think we're going back to 30 in the VIX, um, right. you know, into the election. And, you know, I think it's just, it's, it's a trader's market right now, right? It's yeah, not, we're not going to, yeah, we're not going to be in an environment where you could say, okay, I'm just going to give my money to a passive manager and, you know, he's going to hang out on this stuff and that's it. I mean, you know, Apple's doing the split. Um, you know, you're still seeing the retail money flow into there. And like, you know, to be honest, like it's been Apple, Microsoft and Facebook. It's they're just rotating out of which one they want to, you know, own at this point. And so when do you think New York, because you've been there forever, when do you think New York, I mean, is it the black, like, what, like what have you seen? Because you're down in Tribeca. Like what have you seen over the last six months that you wish? I like, mean, well, we left and we came, you know, we went down to the Jersey shore. We were there from, you know, mid March until July, uh, early July. And yeah, we came back and, you know, when we first got back, I mean, I went for a, uh, I'm a pretty avid runner and I went for a run on, uh, I was going to do the West side highway. And I literally ran four miles from church street to sixth Avenue. And I barely saw like five cars. Right. So, more people are coming back, and now you have the street cafes, which I think is great for the city. Uh, we had a dinner last night um, with a friend of ours who uh, he's a doctor at Mount Sinai, and you know, I asked him some questions on, you know, what are you guys, you know, looking at? What do you expect? I mean, the thing is, how long can you keep the street cafes open for? Right? I mean, it's going to get cold at a certain point, so. Are they going to make a decision to do 25% occupancy in restaurants? And if they do that, how does a restaurant survive? I mean, I don't know if you look, but do you have a, you went on the Eater does it, I believe. And it shows you all the restaurants that have uh, been closing daily and they're closed for good uh, in New York City. Thank God for you. It's not Peking Duck House, but oh. they, uh, <laughs> your favorite. So, so you can track how much you're closing permanently and it's bad. Yeah, and a lot of these places, I mean, like Gotham Bar and Grill's closed, uh, Aqua Grill is closed. Like, the, you know, I'm not saying that they were crazy busy to begin with, but these are kind of New York City staples, right? So you're seeing the effect from it, um, and I just don't know what they're going to do. Come, I mean, listen, you could dine outside 
till what do you think like late late october early november depending on the weather but you know when it's mid mid november and it's in the 40 like low 40s you know you get a few cold days no one's going to want to sit outside and you know eat their meal so they're going to have to make a decision and you know it's it's kind of uh, it's weird in some areas here you know canal street's a little uh, a little weird it's always been a little weird but what a bummer so do you think you'll move back to the city um i think we're going to give it a try and if it doesn't work and we're totally miserable and you know the environment changes yeah we'll we'll probably come back but you know, for the time being, it's just it's more of a decision for uh, for our kid than anything else. Okay, you know, it's, and then it's hard so to you know get a map. I here. can't imagine. I, I love know, this my, place. Yeah, my kid's dying to go there. Both of them could be working in New York right now for the companies they work for, and they can't go. So, if someone today wants to get into the business. What would you say are the tricks or the keys? to someone wants to be Don Nitty, which is, you know, loves the markets, wants to live them, wants to be online all the time, wants the, you know, not the physical combativeness, but the brain mental combativeness of 24-7 competitive markets. When did you get the bug and and how do people do it? I honestly think that, you know, you you see a lot of, like, I love, Instagram is my favorite because, like, a lot of these guys are like, just traded the open, like, left and I'm on my yacht, like, Okay, that's not how it works. <laughs> um, but, you know, and I think that that's kind of set the mentality for a lot of our younger generation where it's like, okay, well, is this easy? Like, oh, you know, and like we, you know, like the whole with the bar stool stuff and everything else, uh, stocks never go down. This never happens. Kind of just buy it and, and that's it and, and walk away, you know. People have that. A lot of the retail community now, um, that generation, have that mindset. And you know, if you want to do it and work in a institutional, you know, setting, you know, you really need to have your pulse on everything at all times. Because if you're not doing it, somebody else is. And to return the to your investors significant gains for the year, I mean, you need to work your ass off, right? So. When you look at it, it's like I feel like a lot of people kind of expect this, you know, walk in. It's easy breezy. We like this. You know, it's a brand we own and won't do the work on kind of the whole schematics of everything. And, yeah, you just really need to love it. You need to want to be involved 24-7. And that's really it. I think hard work in this world. I mean, I don't know if you ever have read the book, but, uh, you know, David Goggins can't hurt me. You read it or no? You know what? Everybody keeps saying it to me, but no, I'm not a self help. That guy is, you know, I was like, I was like joking the other day. I was like, oh, should interview people. I'll bring them on a run. Like Goggins' mentality is so crazy. You should listen to him on. uh, He's on Rogan. He has a podcast. He's done a uh, appearance on Rogan. But you know that mentality, man. He's just you need to be, you have to have your mindset. You know, he lives by, you know, 40% is where the human uh, body and mind kind of shuts down and goes to like, you know, this is uncomfortable. I want to go back to being comfortable. And there's another 60% that you could give, right? So I think that a lot of it to do in trading and anything else you, you know, put into life, it's all mindset. I mean, I'm very big on that. I feel like you need to just hunker down and, and keep the grind going and, you know, Goggins is funny. He had he was telling a story, and he said, uh, 
you know, this guy, he was running, it was like 115 degrees outside and some guy pulls up next to him and he's like, dude, what are you doing? Why are you out here? He's like, what are you doing out here? And God goes, cause you're fucking not. And he like keeps running. Right. So I think that's the mindset that people need. And what do you, would you be happy if your kid, if your kid got into trading? Yeah. I mean, he already likes it. He like, you know, when I was working from home, I was like, Oh my God, these stocks are killing me. That's killing me. Why are they so mean to me? And like, he was joking. I have a video and he's like, stop, stop being mean to my daddy. Like it was really funny. The, what do you think the appropriate age would be? I mean, now it's, you could get kids. There's so many different outlets and so much information and kids are so in tune. I mean, I didn't get my first cell phone till I was 16 years old and it was like a Nokia I was playing snake on. Right. So, you know, you have kids who are seven years old with iPhone 10s or whatever, right now, 11. I feel like you could start them at any age. Well, I think you'll be able to look over his shoulder once he's on an iPad and kind of see what they're doing and give you ideas just from what their usage patterns are. Yeah, of course. I mean, I mean that I was always like, the case, but now it's just literally you have to peer into the apps that they're using where they're immersed because it's not yeah. just Nike shoes. It's like there's layers of digital stuff that you got to peel through to know what the hell they're doing. Dude, it's crazy. Our friends just went through this whole uh, spiritual awakening and you know, we were, they're our, our best couple of friends. And, you know, we we're on with them the other day and we're FaceTiming and they said that, uh, you know, they pulled their daughter, the iPad. They're on week three now. No iPad. And, you know, they said the first week was crazy. The first half of the second week was crazy. And then like week three, she started to uh, adjust to it. Right. So I feel like a lot of parents, you know, the iPad's not essentially for the kid. A lot of it's for the parents, too. It's like a peace of mind. You go to dinner and it's just easy. And like we get caught in that trap, too. So it's like, oh, give them the iPad. Like, you know, we'll be able to actually eat for a few minutes. But same thing. It's all work. All work. And what is your go-to vehicle to trade? Um, You know, I've done really well in, you know, tech, clearly. I mean, you know, it's been just a space that I know really well. Um, you know, these names, you could kind of gauge different levels technically on them. I know where kind of the bodies lie in a lot of this stuff and what's going to happen with positioning. Um, yeah, we've done very well there. And a lot of the names too, you know, like I personally like, you know, I think DraftKings and what's going on. I mean, you saw yesterday, you know, Barry Dillard, uh, IAC with MGM. Um, yeah. You know, I think that that's a trend that's going to continue to evolve. And a lot of smart people are, you know, obviously investing capital into it and know where we're going in kind of the online gaming space. And like, you know, but you get, you know, with uh, certain names, you know, there is a have, there's a lot of weak hands involved in them. So you kind of got to stay nimble, you know, stay small, understand kind of technically what you're looking at. And then the macro picture of, you know, how bad is it? I mean, I don't, what do you think with this whole, uh, you know, NBA seems to be doing a great job with the bubble, right? They've had no issue. How you would think that would be the one, maybe because the teams are smaller, but you would think that would be the one where it would be rampant. Yeah. And, you know, like baseball, I mean, for that, like last week I was like, they're going to cancel the season. I'm like, how are they going to let this go on? It was like games are getting canceled by the minute. And, you know, I'm curious to see, you know, I guess the Cincinnati Reds came out today and said that they think they're going to be the first team to actually have fans in the stadium. But like with football, do you just throw them in the bubble, too? Is this going to is it going to be the new norm? Like, just go to the bubble. That's it. It fixes everything. I, I'm doing as if 
you know, it's not military service, but I'm saying, you know, I'm just taking a year off. Like I didn't even watch the Leafs in the playoff hockey. I'm like, it doesn't mean anything to me. You know what? Yeah. I'm, I'm focused on the kids, work, business. It's just like I got handed this weird, for me, it was a gift of not travel. So I'll play it out and I'm trying to, you know, focus on, you know, community and focus on, you know, the founders and our LPs and GPs, whatever, my partners. And, you know, Google said a year, um, a lot of smart people say a year. Uh, we're only five months into this. So I'm just lucky. I'm in the Southwest. So why I'm not, I'm not looking for trouble. I'm looking for like signal to poke our head out for real. You know, my favorite restaurant yeah. has outdoor seating. I'm just trying to stay in this really small footprint and not tempt the odds because I don't know, like I know Google can afford to work from home and some of these Twitter, I don't know if they can afford to work from home. They should be working harder, that company. But if the smart people are staying from home and the smart people are still moving out of New York and Trump is yelling, play football, you know, Pence is yelling, play football, but yet don't take a knee. We want you to play football, not take a knee. There's like a list of things you got to do. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's so contradictory that I'll just sit this out. Yeah, I almost feel like, too, I was speaking to a close friend of mine the other day, and, like, you know, he wanted to go into his office. He's in the city. They have an yeah. office in the city. And, like, he was, like, it's almost like senior management at our fund was in a buyer beware situation where it's more of a process to gain access to go into the apartment, into the, uh, sorry, the office where they're like, we'll just send it to you. Like whatever you need, don't even come in. And then you kind of back out of it. And, you know, I have conversations with friends who run, you know, they have 150 to 250 employees and they're just decentralizing everything. Right. I mean, even like some of the bigger banks, you know, that was the one thing too. I was like, when are you guys going back to the office? When I talked to our, our sales coverage, and the thing is, over the course of how many years, the whole thing was, we want people on trading desk, non-cubicle, closer together because it helps productivity, right? So now you had all this infrastructure built everywhere. And now huh. you got to rip out this infrastructure. It's going to cost a ton of money to do it. It's like you talk to someone at, you know, Goldman, I think they went back. They had some people in the office. Uh, they started like mid-June. But, you know, some of the other places to rebuild the infrastructure with the social distancing mandate, it's not you're looking at like, a, you know, January, February. And then who knows if a second wave comes and how bad is it at that point? So, you know, you see a lot of these kind of satellite offices opening up with A-B schedules based out of uh, suburban communities. So, oh, wow. you know, so that's both, already happening. I guess the banks just have to do this shit. Yeah. yeah, I know like, two of them that did it and like, you know, guys that live in Connecticut and Westchester are going to uh, it's kind of like a middle ground. It's like 10 miles from everyone's house and it's easy to get mm -hmm. to. But, you know, you'll go in Monday, Tuesday and then Wednesday, Thursday, someone else will come in and then Friday, everyone's work from home or however mm -hmm. they split the schedule. But I just don't know, you know, if you're running, you have 200 employees and your lease is coming up and you're running pretty productively from the current work from home environment, why are you going to pay the, you know, whatever it is, 30,000, 40,000, $50,000 a month for New York city real estate rent? Yeah. Obviously it's, it's someone will listen. It's six months. So I think habits have changed. So my habits have changed. Can't wait to go to New York for like 
the classic things that I always did in New York. I was a creature of habit. It was Honkin' Noodles. It was Peking Duck. It was great Prince Street pizza. And fucking a couple falafels, maybe a comedy club. So I don't think that'll change. I'll just do it less. And I'll do it at nicer hotels, hopefully. And, you know... New York will be back, right, but it's just that office grind. Like, let's be honest, Twitter, WhatsApp, those people were already off the grid at many levels, at least for certain hours a day. So the signal is just as much distributed already pre-COVID than it was. So putting all those people back in a room, especially from a Wall Street sense, that's the least thing that makes sense to me. These are the people that should be learning another way. So I really do think you're right. I think Wall Street's the last group to come back because I mean, they should be thinking decentralized because that is how gamers do it. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I personally, you know, when I was working from uh, Jersey Shore, I mean, I liked it. I'm actually more productive working from home and like for us too, right? So we're constantly active in the markets where, you know, trading from, you know, if I have to do something and it's seven o'clock at night and news hit and I'm involved in a name or whatever it is from my laptop, I mean, it's doable, but it's more annoying for me because I sit behind six monitors all day. Right. So when having that at your fingertips at all time, I feel like you could be more engaged and more productive. And, you know, if you want to take a two minute breather and go outside, you're able to do it. Um, but, you know, I feel like people, you know, everyone that I've spoken to, at least has been more productive. The feedback that I'm getting is the work from home situation is great. And I'm actually more productive. Plus, like, you know, in New York City, it's almost stressful to get to the office. It's like by the time you actually get there, 15 things could have went wrong at that point, right? So, you know, especially when the trains were open, it was like you get stuck underground for 45 minutes and you're, you know, completely miserable. So, you know, I don't know. I feel like a lot of people, it's becoming the new norm and, you know, people are essentially liking it. And so who wins the election in your mind? Forgetting, you know, politics, who right now? Is the polling right? Do you think it's a uh, he picked Kamala just now? So I don't even know if you knew that. Yeah, I saw it. Um, well, I saw the chatter before, and then the market essentially they were saying that it came in on it based on kind of how she wants to uh, tax ex- equities and bonds and everything else. So there's a little negative reaction to it. Um, but uh, I mean, listen, I feel like this 2020. Anything could happen. You could get elected president right now, and it wouldn't even shock me at this point. Who right? should I choose so, as my running mate, though? So say I if I know. was going to run. Maybe me. We'll, <laughs> we'll do it together. So um, what's your tingly gut say? You know, I mean, my gut is, I think it's up in the air, and it's really kind of a 50-50 scenario at this point. I mean, a lot of people think that Biden's going to win, given that people are upset with Trump and kind of how everything's happening. And we've had a, you know, a bunch of stuff happen this year and people don't think that he acted in the right manner. Um, so, I mean, I don't know. And then you also have the silent majority, right? So you speak to some people who have been lifelong Democrats that have small businesses and they're just totally pissed off about the, the way that everything's gone down. And, you know, I mean, the stimulus money from the government, is, you know, it's one thing, but, you know, when you're a small business and you have 80, 90, 100 employees, whatever it is, you know, a lot of these people are upset and they were lifelong Democrats. So how are they going to vote? I mean, I don't feel like anyone has a real gauge, um, you know, on what, what we're going to get come the election. And I think the traitor in you or me is like, I don't care who's like, I mean, obviously I care. Sorry, I care. Guys, 
lunatic. Okay? I need to be clear. Uh, Biden, at least lifelong politician, maybe he's only just dumb because he's not a billionaire uh, from the system. Uh, that could be my only knock is like, maybe he's not that smart, but who cares? Trump's an idiot too. So, so for me, I just want the ability to have someone shut up. Can't believe it. That's as simple as I, as I say it right now. But I think I yeah, made money under Obama. I made money under Reagan. Made money yeah. under Bush. You know, do you I think mean, of it that way too? Do you think of it listen, that way too? I don't, my, I don't think about taxes. Uh, adapt uh, for, I guess, for the market mentality, you know, should be like adapt, uh, improvise, evolve, overcome, right? So you need to constantly be on your toes and be nimble. And, you know, that's why I like what I do, right? Every day, it's not like I walk in and I, you know, punch a clock and I sit down and I, I'm filing paperwork for eight hours. I punch the clock out and go home. Like, right. you don't know what's going to happen. Like, it could be two in the morning and, you know, all of a sudden, you know, the China deal is blowing up and the futures are down 200 handles and you're like, holy shit, I'm not hedged. What's going to happen, right? So, I mean, that's the, the trader mentality. Um, and I, I think that, you know, that's what, how you have to look at it. It's, you know, anything could happen. Like if I would have told you in January that we're going to have a pandemic and we were going to be, uh, you know, the market was going to crash, you would have been like, you're crazy, right? So, you know, any day of the week, you get a different scenario. Got it. All right, my man. Well, I'll have you back more often. I think we're at some kind, I guess you're saying it's August. So like chill the fuck out. The, the fireworks are coming but maybe probably September, October. I'm trying to get ahead of that curve and decide if I should, you know, panic now. Well, we know um, your portfolio. You you own every single brand. So if it's a brand name, Howard owns it. <laughs> so who do you who do you like to read? Is there is there like people that give you an edge, or is it just an overall synthesization that you do? I think it's overall. You know who's really good and who uh, your buddy at John Street Capital. He's great. Yeah. Um, so. On the medium, he, he's this really good overview on kind of, uh, you know, thematic yeah. stuff on what's happening macro. He does outstanding job. Um, you know, and then for us, you know, a lot of the stuff that I'll read is, uh, you know, more institutional based. There's some guys, um, you know, that are posting on Twitter, but a lot of the stuff that I'm constantly reading is, you know, if I'm not doing it myself, it's more research driven and trying to figure out kind of where the shift's happening in the market and, yeah, we do the analyst calls and, and everything else. All right, my man. Well, hang in there. I will. So I'll let you know how the move goes. I'll text you some photos of my apartment later. All right, my man. Uh, safe travels, and uh, we'll uh, talk stocks another time. Awesome. Thanks, Howard. Appreciate it. Cheers. All right. Bye-bye. K-Nut. Hey. Donald Nitty. He's so funny. Got his finger on the pulse. He really does. You know, even though they say, I mean, the old days, New York was fingers on the pulse. There's still a lot of people in New York with the fingers on the pulse. Yeah. I mean, there's, I think I have, I have a little bit of a pulse with a little bit of a uh, beach background. But, uh, you know, when you're in New York, like Soho, Tribeca, that is, you know, people are fleeing the center of the universe. And he likes to hunker down. Like he's not leaving because of he's panicked. He's leaving. He stayed right there through it. Mm -hmm. He's leaving because it's just relentless and he's got to think of his kids. Like, so you're starting to see the people that really want to stay still having to leave. Not good. Like, that's what I don't think people get. And now my kids, your kids can't wait to go in there, but it's just kind of want the old timers there too, to uh, keep the soul 
of uh, the city. But that city turns over a lot. Now we're losing some some of the uh, millennials to the suburbs. Pretty interesting. Yeah. And uh, all right. So panic with friends. Uh, today's was definitely more about the markets and thinking about the elections and getting ahead of the next panic. Uh, we are coming at you twice a week, uh, talking to friends, seeing what they're panicked about, seeing if you should panic seeing what they're buying and thinking and long-term trends. The uh, You can search my name, Panic with Friends, or go to StockTwits, Spotify, and Apple, or uh, just search my name, Howard Lindzen, and then I have a free blog once a uh, day, 9 a.m. I send it by email. Go to howardlindzen.com. Thanks, Knut, and we will see you. Talk to everybody soon.